and our call to worship. Beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God. We come to confess our sins, praise his holy name, hear the holy word, and offer our lives to our God's service. Praise the Lord. Let us worship in spirit and truth. Amen. Together, let us proclaim our agreement in faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're going to pray today for our friend, Dan Cudworth, who's been in the hospital for quite some time. And we will also pray for those who will receive the blankets that will be purchased with our donations this morning. And also for the many children who will receive the shoeboxes that people are preparing to send. I would encourage you also to extend the reach of your prayers today. Most certainly pray for those you know by name and the circumstances that are in need of God's prayers and intervention. But to also pray for those situations or circumstances that are beyond your closest sphere of relationships. Let us take a few moments to be in prayer. Your love is perfect, and by living among us in human form, you have not only shown us what absolute servanthood is all about, But you have also revealed yourself as the one true, perfect Lamb of God who gave up everything for the sake of his children. Jesus, we pray today for our friends and families, for your church, and for the many lost souls who are so in need of your saving grace. Here are the prayers that we've written on the cards and we'll place in the offering plates later, as well as the silent prayers of our hearts. And now as your church, we pray together as Jesus himself taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture lesson today comes from the 13th chapter of John's Gospel. We'll be reading verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After he had poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's pray for our pastor as he comes this morning. Lord Jesus, we have seen here what your love looks like for us, God, for indeed you serve us in so many ways. And Lord, you serve us here today by bringing forth your servant, Pastor Mike, to come and interpret these words to us, Lord. We pray that he would be filled by the power of your Holy Spirit and that our hearts would be open to receive what you would speak into them. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Imagine this bucket of water is your financial situation. Each one of us will face different choices concerning our finances throughout our lives. Some of us may be struggling to keep our heads above water as we face debt at every turn. Others may be right on the line with no margin for error. And still others may have even managed to put some money into savings. Oftentimes we allow these financial situations to order our giving for us. We give when we have plenty and hold back when times are tough. The book of Proverbs gives us a powerful truth when we view our giving based upon our bank statements. Proverbs 11.24 says that if we withhold what we should give, we will only suffer more want. Our first inclination when we hear this is to say that it cannot be true. That if we hang on to all our money, we will have that much more money to pay our bills. But the Bible doesn't concede this point. In fact, it tells us that only when we give freely, not hoarding our money, will we grow richer. By giving, we will end up with plenty, and if we try and keep it all, we end up not having what we need. 
what a paradox, and what a powerful motivation to give at the same time. Do you trust this promise? Do you believe that God rewards those who give in any circumstance? This is the one area where God tells us to test Him, and it's the one area very few of us actually do. We test His mercy as we run off like the prodigal son, only to find that He welcomes us back with open arms when we repent. And we are willing to test His patience with our habitual sins, again to find that He is slow to anger. So why not test His generosity and see if He does not fulfill our every need just as He promises? I think there are a few things better in our existential life than the free hour we got last night. Amen? I mean, that's like getting a thousand bucks in the mail. You know, you wake up, you say, I got plenty of time. Unless you're like uh, some people, you wake up and look at the clock and say, is that today's time or is that yesterday's time? But I'm glad you're here and you've heard it read to you. This is the interpretation. John has 21 chapters in its gospel. We now come to chapter 13, and chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 all happen at one meal. They all happen in the Lord's Supper, what we call the Lord's Supper. So, so Jesus really in, spends a lot of time, and we get to listen in to what he was teaching to the disciples at the Last Supper in John chapters 13 through 17. Not only that, but it's really interesting that, that Jesus' entire ministry has taken the 12 chapters that we've read up to this time, and now we come to the last three days of his life and the resurrection appearances. So it's a very exciting time when, when Jesus begins to reveal his glory uh, to us. So the teaching at the Last Supper begins before dinner is served. It, it begins in a very simplistic, cultural way. It begins with the washing of the disciples' feet. Now, we might, because we wear shoes and socks and we have rock ports and Nikes and all that kind of stuff today, we might say, well, why does one need to wash their, our feet? And, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but the simple truth is that most people walk with very little leather or, 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 or um, rubber on their feet in those days. So they walked in the very same roads that everyone else walked, usually dirt. They walked in the same roads that the animals walked in, and they stepped in everything that was left by all of them. And and so it was traditional when you came to someone's home to have a meal or maybe some sort of festive occasion that you'd sit on a stool and one of the servants in the household would come to you and you would wash, you would have your feet washed. Now, it would be similar to a point as if I came to your home this afternoon and you said to me, Mike, can, can I get you a cup of coffee or, or a glass of water or, 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 or some lemonade or something? Can I get you something to drink? Can I, can I take your coat? It, it's simplistic, cultural of that era's hospitality. It's hospitality of the era. So, so why such a big deal? Why does something that happens at every meal that they go to get time in scriptures? Well, because it's a big deal in this story. Because there's a huge reversal going on here. See, the big deal here is that the master, Jesus himself, gets down on his knee, grabs basin of water, uses a towel, and washes their feet. Because that's the job of a servant. And, and you know this, those of you who have been by this story before. This is the job of one of the lowest servants in the household. And here is the master of all of them doing that particular and specific task. And the disciples' reaction is, is immediate. 
I mean, it's kind of hard to read because they might be completely embarrassed. Like, oh my, this is embarrassing. The master's doing this. They might be embarrassed for him. You shouldn't have to do this. And they're certainly resisting it, saying, and it's not like some of the kids that we have at summer games when we, when we wash people's feet, we're not saying, you know, those kids are saying, you ain't touching my dogs, you know. We don't want people touching our feet. Some people are like that. But it's not like that. They're resisting the what and the how that it's happening. They're, 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 they're resisting that, that Jesus himself is doing it. And so Jesus says, and, you, and, and Keith read that just a moment ago. He says, you don't understand now. You don't understand now. But someday you will. You don't understand what I'm doing right now. But someday you will. And such it is with a lot of the things in the faith and life that we seek in Jesus Christ. You know, have you ever, uh, this, is, uh, this is since you had an extra hour, little quiz time. Have you ever bought one of those all-inclusive cruises or resort? Have you ever been to one of those all-inclusive, you know, kind of yes, if you have? Yes? Okay. So, you know, uh, we, we went to one some time back, and it was, it was this all-inclusive deal. And, and the, the, the ad on my computer screen says, we're going to offer you the royal treatment. You're going to be treated like a king. You know, from the moment you get there, you're going to be treated like, and now they hadn't planned before I got there on the horrible experience with the chicken salad, but we, they meant well, you know, they meant well. They were, they were going telling me I was going to be served like a king. But Jesus reverses the standard. He doesn't say you're going to be served like a king. He shows us that you're going to be served by the king. Kings aren't servants. Servants serve kings. But Jesus at the foot washing takes down some of his clothing, grabs a towel and washes dirty feet. And his disciples are aware they're being served by the king. So that we don't get too caught up in the details of this story. Let's sift through some of the details so we don't miss the meaning. It's important for us to see the meaning because sometimes people misunderstand service. Some will misunderstand service and that's exactly what happens here. Peter pleads with Jesus. He's saying such as it was, get up, get up. I, I don't want you to wash my feet. You, you should never wash my feet. He, he says that that's not your place. Th- this is below you, which of course reminds, remind yourself when Jesus, when Peter says this is below you, what Peter has done is categorize people in a system Jesus has no time for that. You know, red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they're precious in his sight. We're all equal in the eyes of God, all that kind of stuff. That's who they're talking to. And, and Jesus has no interest in this. And, and, and they fight. I don't know what, you know, Peter, you know, we've read enough about Peter to know that Peter's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a hair trigger kind of guy. So when he's saying, Jesus, you're not going to serve me. I, I don't know if he like grabbed the towel and started trying to wrestle it away from Jesus. It sounds like him, doesn't it? Sounds like Peter, like something he might do. But he says, you'll never serve me. You will never do this. And, and this misunderstanding, you know, there, and, and a lot of times when we get served, misunderstanding almost always causes exaggerated or, or, or like reversed behavior. I mean, and people will say, give me more. Give me more. If you're going to serve me, give me more. A number of years ago, um, we were on a mission trip from here um, down to Nashville, Tennessee. Remember, we had our flood in 2008, and so we learned a lot of skills on putting houses that are all mucked up back together. So we went down in, I think it was 2010, to Nashville, and we were flooring one end of a woman's house, 
And on the other end, we were in the bedrooms putting up drywall. And, and, and it was part of a process, long process. And she was so very, very grateful that we were there. And then, remember, halfway through our week, she came into me and she said, Hey, can I ask you something? And, you know, I was hoping it was me about her spiritual life or something like that. But she says, You know, while you guys are here, could you paint my garage too? And, you know, you understand she had huge need or our whole property had been flooded, but we weren't the plan for that. There was, I'm sure, another plan through the Southeast Christian services that were coming uh, to do that. And we were part of Church World Service, actually, on that particular mission. But, but that's a natural reaction when we're, we're not certain about service. We, we misunderstand it. So when we're getting some, we say, well, we'll give us more. And so that's why Peter says he doesn't get what Jesus is doing. So he says, not just my feet, get me all clean, Jesus. And, and, and Jesus says, yeah, you had a bath, you're clean. It's just your feet. And so today we focus on why. Let's not focus on, on what. That, that will be important for you in your own lives. But, but in the context of, of, of our interpreting the scripture, let's focus on why the king of kings, the great I am, the resurrection and the life, the shepherd of the sheep, the doorkeeper, the gatekeeper, the, the one who is the second person of the Trinity grabs a basin and a towel and kneels down to wash people's feet. Earlier in the scripture, it said this line, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. So if he had authority over everything, couldn't he just take the royal treatment? But instead, he discerns that it is God's hand upon him and they are in agreement, the Trinity is in agreement that instead of taking everything, he performs a lowly task to to give his disciples and we as later readers of the gospel a window to what was coming. He gives us an opportunity to see what's coming. See, he's leading his disciples in this all-in mindset. He wants his disciples to understand that you got to throw your whole self into me because I'm going to surrender everything I am at the cross for you. And so I'm claiming and calling you to surrender completely to me. And we do sing, and we're Methodists, and we love to sing. And this singing today was fabulous, but we do sing. All for Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give you. You sung that, right? Maybe in tune, but you've sung that, right? <laughs> and you say, I surrender all, I surrender all. And Jesus says, yes, do that. Don't give me parts of you. Don't give me fractional advice. Don't, don't make your commitment to me some sort of mathematical equation. Surrender everything to me. And so he washes feet. And the foot washing is a symbolic pre-enactment of Jesus' ultimate service. It's a pre-enactment. He's he's showing us what's going to happen next. He's showing us how far he will go in service to us. Check out what Paul says about this later in Romans chapter 8. Chapter 5, my mistake. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. Don't miss that in scriptures. The incarnation, Jesus coming in flesh and blood was not happenstance. It just didn't say, God say, well, it's probably a good time. One time's as good as another. No, it was at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, while most people, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us 
by sending Christ to us to die while we were yet sinners. See, Christ is claiming, both on the cross and at the foot washing, that he is willing to serve us before we are worthy. Get that? Before you earned anything. Before you deserve anything. Deserve has nothing to do with this. It has what Jesus wants to do in service. He serves us before we worthy, we're worthy. And <clears throat> interestingly enough, because this is something to give ourselves a whole, you know, discipleship check. Jesus serves people he's in tension with. He serves people that he's not getting along with at the moment. You know, earlier in the scriptures that, that Keith read, it identified that the one who is going to betray him is there. Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him. And yet, you know what he does? He kneels and washes his feet. He serves him because the cross is for him too. Do you know who else is at the supper? Peter, his disciple, this hair-trigger guy who doesn't understand what Jesus is going is doing to him. And three times he's going to deny that, that he even knew Jesus. And Jesus knows that. And, and that's just going to happen in you know, the next day. And Jesus washes his feet. And there's Thomas that we'll read about later on in this very gospel who says, unless I see the, 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 the marks on his hands and on his feet... I won't believe that he's come back to life. You know what Jesus does? He washes his feet. And then there's us. You know, there's us that want to, you know, we that want to hold on to to some of our own attitudes. There's some some of us that want to hold on to our own subset of sins that we say about something. Well, it's not that bad. Or there's that conflict in our life and we might not fully, completely convinced that we want to throw our entire self into Jesus. And you know what he does? Spiritually, he washes our feet. He serves all. Not just those he prefers. He serves all. So I asked you the question that he asks. Is this your someday? Is this your someday? <clears throat> Do you understand? Do you understand this wash basin theology that Jesus elevates to the highest pursuit service that we can dedicate our lives? He puts service as the highest pursuit that one can use in their lives. I, I, I've had a lot of ministries, so I'm grateful to have known a lot of people that have done a lot of things. And way, way, way back in my day, I had a student in my youth program called Paul Miller. Well, it's still his name, so he's still called that. But um, sometimes you just think of what you're saying, you're like, well, that just sounds silly. But <laughs> so Paul, Paul grew up, and he went to Colorado State University. He invented some things and he became wealthy. He became really, really wealthy, multimillionaire wealthy. And yet, um, it wasn't filling him. And so he called me once and because he had resources, he said, I want to come and see you. Now, he lived in, in Fort Collins and I lived in Indianola, Iowa. So he came to see me. And so, I mean, he came all that way. So I, you know, sat down, talked to him and we shared some old stories about our time together in youth ministry. And then he just told me this. He says, you know, I have everything. And I'm trying to get everything. But in here, I've got nothing. And we talked for a long time, and I asked him, well, what are you giving away, and who are you giving yourself to? He said, I didn't give myself my first marriage. It's failed. I'm struggling with life, Rev. That's why I came a thousand miles to see you. What should I do? And we talked for a long time, and of course, prayed, you know, really prayed for Paul. And at the end of this, he said this thing that, that, that I remember really well. He said, so, you really have a choice in life. You either try to get it all, or you've got to concentrate on how you can give your all. 
And I said, I don't think I could say it any better than that, Paul. You know, you either try to get it all, the mass stuff, a warehouse of stuff, and accomplishments or whatever, or you give your all to make someone else's life better. You give your all to make the world a better place for Christ. You give yourself to glorify God. And Jesus' example is exactly that. Jesus' personal sacrifice is an example for us to follow. Now, I want you North American Christians to hear this. In James chapter 4, verse 17, it says this, because this is where we blow up all the times. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. You ever, are you a I should have done person? Man, I should have called. Man, I should have gone over. Remember, don't have an I should have. Err on the side of doing. Err on the side of loving. Err on the side of serving. Remember, it is a sin to know what to do and, and not to do it. You're commissioned to do this. And the foot washing is a command to serve. And it's a command that's more than to simply do nice things. Jesus wants us to do nice things. But he's not telling us, just go do nice things. See, Christian service exceeds simple altruism. You know, altruism is just, you know, people that want things, you know, the common good. They want it better. And we, we receive this resource from the United Methodist Church that we're part of. And we, we purchase this every year through our apportionment. It's called Mission Insight. And in Mission Insight, in the, in the five zip codes that generally represent our, our Christian community, our congregation, in those five zip codes, altruism is really high. People really feel called to be altruistic. They, they feel that giving to the common good is something they enjoy to do. Yet, everywhere I go in my zip codes, there's a servant shortage. Every single place I go. There, there's a lot of giving going on. But, but Christian service, and I, I admonish you that Christian service is way beyond Iowa nice. Christian service is beyond just helping out. Christian service is being obedient to Christ, who says... Do as I have done. Which, in his case, says, take us, take, I'll go to the lowest place so that I can serve you. So the appropriate question is, what of myself can I put towards the service of Christ by serving the people in front of me right now? And the scripture answers it this way. You're here for a purpose. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, read these words, they're on your screen. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Remember, we don't deserve it. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And Jesus examples this for us. That night, the cup and the wine were at his ready. And he knew long before he got that day that that was his purpose, that that was his reason for, for coming, that to go to the cross for our salvation was why Christ was come and he was not going to be pushed away from that purpose. Soon those elements will be in your hands. Soon you will be asked to say, is this the someday? Is this the someday that Jesus talks about in the scripture? Is this the someday that he says to the apostle Peter? Is this the someday that you will understand that in his service and sacrifice, we are called, you are called, I am called to serve him in the service of others to glorify God? If yes, then God, I believe this, God will place practical ways in front of you 
to serve. He's going to put them right in front of you if, if, if you're all in with him. You don't have to look that hard. Now, I'm not a big cutesy guy, but I'm going to do something cute at the end of my sermon. At least I think it's cute. It's an acronym. It's not going to be on the screen. So if you want to write it down, the acronym is for WASH, W-A-S-H. And then we're going to go to communion. WASH is an acronym that, that I've looked up or made or whatever to help you model your life and live out why you're here. W is wait. Wait is people talk. Listen to them. You are all in conversations every single week when you know that when you are talking, the other person is simply trying to figure out what they're going to say back to you. They're not really listening to you. And we know that one of the greatest gifts you can ever be given in life is to be listened to. And I know that when people are listening to me, they, they listen and they ask me questions about what I've, what I've just said. So, so really listen to people with a spiritual ear. Ask is A. Ask once or more times a day, how can I help? Ask, how can I help? Then do it. Then do it, you know? Ask, do. And S, spiritually wash people's feet. Accept everybody without condition. And then serve in that attitude. And H is help. Actually help other people. Mentally. Put a towel in your hand and a basin and walk around looking for people's feet to wash such as it was. Now, when we come to Holy Communion, which is where we're going right now, we understand that being a servant is not simply an honorable thing. It's the best thing. It's a holy thing. And it's the thing we're called to be. So I simply ask, is this your someday?